0: All right, how we doing? Okay, a couple goods. All right, we'll see how this goes. Um, I'm Andy. I'm the director of family life here at River Glen and also one of the pastors on staff, one of the youth pastors on staff. And I want to talk about the school year because summer's almost over. Yay. (laughs) Your kids must be going back to school. All right, Um, summer's almost over. School starts, and that's sad. But when school starts, that means our student ministry programming ramps back up. And I'm really excited about that. So I want to give you some dates, so you're all aware of what's going to be going on. Uh, our middle school programming Edge is going to start September 6. They meet Wednesday nights, um, and then later in the month we're going to kind of, we have a big event, uh, an all-nighter planned. Okay, that is where uh, students we come. We play like dodgeball, we drink uh, soda, and we stay up all night. Like a kid asked me once, like, where do we sleep? And I just laughed at him. Um, it's, it's like Lord of the Flies. Um, and then high school, we have uh, SLIFE. That's our high school ministry. Uh, we're actually going to start the year with our camp off. That's September 9th and 10th. We go over to Kettle Moraine, one of the group sites, and hang out for the weekend. It's a lot of fun. And then our regular programming starts Sunday, September 17th. So all these dates are available on a Save the Date card. You can grab at the family info area, um, or you can find me and Melissa, and we'll tell you what's going on. So, alright, long time ago, before I was a youth pastor, uh, I was a auditor for the Department of Defense. I'm just going to let that sit. Okay. Um, This is true. This is a true story. In a nutshell, this was my job. I uh, I was to go around and ensure that the government didn't get ripped off okay and my goal is to go to a contractor and look at their information and see if there was any ways that we could save money uh, on these contracts that the government was getting into so for example i want to tell you a story of uh, the most fascinating audit i ever did right This this will probably be the most exciting accounting story you've ever heard okay? Um, this is as good as it gets. Um, so here's, here's how things work in the government. Uh, they need something, and so they put out a proposal. Here's what we need with all the specifications and all the details, how many, uh, whatever it is they want, how many they need, when they need it by, that sort of thing. So Uh, For for this audit, it was trucks. It was a new truck for the military. And so this contractor puts together a proposal and they make a prototype truck so the government can check it out. And once the government gives it an okay, um, they send someone like me in to look at the books and look at all the information to make sure uh, it's a fair price to pay for the truck um, and that we don't get ripped off. So what I would do is I would look at all the estimated costs for the next five, six years. And this is, by the way, this is a multi-billion dollar proposal, okay? So this isn't like joking around. This is like thousands and thousands of trucks over five, six years. And I would look at all their information and and say, show me evidence that this is going to cost you whatever you say it's going to cost you. So show me that you're actually going to pay these employees this much money. Show me that it's going to take this much time. Um, All the material. Show me that you know this engine is going to cost this much. The Are going to cost this much. Show me evidence. Show me proof. Okay? So that's what I did. And during my audit, I found one mistake in the whole thing. One mistake. Okay? What they did is uh, they used a wrong number to estimate uh, the price for a piece. When they got their prototype truck made, Uh, What they had to do is go to all these vendors and get custom pieces. Now, custom pieces are very expensive because you're asking someone to make, hey, can you make me one, uh, you know, can you make me one lug nut or something? I don't know. And so that's going to cost a lot of money. But when they go into production, the cost of all those pieces will go down a lot. Well, what they did is they used the prototype cost in their proposal instead of the production quote that the vendor had given them. I don't know if you're following me, so I'm just going to spell it out for you. They used, uh, they said the cost was going to be $100 dollars when in reality, it was going to be $2, okay? So $98 per truck. Well, not, not $98 per truck. $98 per piece, okay? And then when you multiply that out times the number of pieces per truck and the number of trucks per year and the number of years, and then you add in a couple other uh, things on top, uh, different, different ratios and stuff like that, the audit ended up saving $275 million. Okay, so you're welcome. <laughs> Most effective government employee ever. That's why I left. I didn't fit in. So, um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry. Um, sorry, not sorry. But anyway, crazy stuff. That was, that, was one of, that was one of the last things I did, actually, before I left, uh, left that job. And a lot of audits that I did throughout my five years there were audits like that, where I found mistakes or I found errors, that sort of thing. But sometimes I would have an audit where you're like, this doesn't seem right. These people seem sketchy, right? And you kind of have this idea like they're trying to rip the government off. Surprise, surprise. People do that. I don't know if you know that, but anyway. Um so this audit once, um I knew something was off because the moment I get there, they put us in a boardroom for our initial conversation and it's called the situation room. And i'm like they look at me as a situation all right game on and i became a situation for them and uh i found stuff where it's like i think they're overestimating this they're paying themselves a little too much money they're doing all these kind of sketchy things and that audit uh, ended up saving about four million dollars out of a hundred million dollars so those are just two of the highlights but that job uh, i look back on it and i think about it and i think you know that job exists um because humans humans, right? Like, humans make errors, they make mistakes, and in a job like that where there's so much money on the line, you need someone to kind of hold people accountable. Because we're not always going to be honest. We're not going to naturally just be like, hey, I promise this is the best price for the government, right? Like, you need someone to come in like me and make sure they're telling the truth. And because there's always people, no matter what, there's always going to be people trying to lie and deceive to get a benefit from it. An auditing job exists because people cannot be trusted, right? We're naturally not trustworthy. And I think we all wanna be trustworthy. I think we all want people to look at us and trust us and say, I trust that person, that person's dependable. Like, how would your life change if everyone just viewed you as like absolutely trustworthy? Like, what would be different at work? What would be different at home? Now imagine this, imagine if people didn't just see you that way, imagine if you actually were that way, like imagine if you were completely trustworthy, completely dependable, what would look different in your life, at home, at school, at work, right, if you were faithful, what would that look like? We're in this series called New Year, and we're talking about how God can transform us into a, a new person uh, through His Spirit. And the verse we've been looking at through this entire si- uh, uh, series is from Galatians, and it's 5, 22, and 23. And I'm just going to review it, uh, and you can read along uh, as I do. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this week we come to faithfulness. And as we've talked about throughout this series, these aren't just characteristics or qualities that we strive for on our own, right? As Ben said, this is is a result list. This isn't a to-do list. This is the result of God's Spirit working in us and producing something. And so today, as we focus on faithfulness, I hope to answer a couple different questions. Why is it so important that we grow in faithfulness? right? In in reliability and integrity. What challenges get in our way that stop us from growing in faithfulness? And how is God going to move us past those challenges and and create uh, a new version of us, a new you? So to start off, we're going to look at a parable uh, from Jesus. And we're going to be in Matthew 25, if you want to grab a Bible or open up your Bible there. And we're going to be looking at a parable that's commonly called uh, the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold. And Jesus told these parables, these stories, to kind of give people a picture of what God was like, what the kingdom of heaven was like. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be in this relationship with God. Here's kind of what it looks like. You're going to end up with God someday. Here's what it's like in his kingdom, how it's different than the world around you. And so here's what he says. Here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's Matthew 25, uh, 14 through 30. I'm going to read the entire uh, passage. He says, again, it is going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to the other two bags of gold, and to another one bag, and each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man had received five bags of gold, went at once, and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw out that worthless, lazy, that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right? So you get this contrast you get this contrast between faithful and unfaithful. And what I think is so important about this parable is that it helps define for us uh, a couple really important things. First, it tells us what faithfulness is in God's eyes, and Jesus' eyes, and why it's so important that we strive for faithfulness. First, I, uh, we tend to think of faithfulness as just being honest, right? Like not lying, not cheating, that sort of thing. But it's so much more than that. According to Jesus, in this parable, faithfulness is about dependability, it's about reliability, uh, trustworthiness, and integrity. And in the parable, this man, he gives his servants money based on their abilities. So it's not haphazard, it's not random. He says, I know you can do this, here you go, Um, I trust you to do what I need you to do. And in the end, the faithful servants are the ones who embrace the task and do what needs to be done. They're dependable. The other servant, because of fear, doesn't do what's needed, and he shows himself to be Lazy, unfaithful. So, Jesus, through this parable, he helps us understand that faithfulness is more than just honesty. It's also about dependability, trustworthiness. Second, here's why developing faithfulness and living a faithful life is so important because if we do it, God is going to look at us and say, Well done, good job. Right? You really only hear good job um, when you've done the job you're supposed to do and you do it well. Right When you don't do a good job or you don't do what you're supposed to do, you don't do it well, Jesus is clear. You're not getting a good job. Right? You're not getting a good job from him. You're not getting like a participation award. You're lazy and you're getting tossed out or something. Right? So according to Jesus, receiving good job is the goal. Like that's it. There's nothing better you could hear from God. Right? That's what I want to hear. It's what we all want to hear. Good job from our creator, from our heavenly father. I I, I know that for... For a boy, like, growing up, you just want to hear your dad be proud of you. You just want to hear him say, good work, right? But now imagine your heavenly father saying it. How incredible would that be? And it comes from being a good, faithful servant. Think of it this way. According to Jesus, a successful life is a life that's lived um, faithfully and for the good of others, for the good of God, right? A good, faithful life is the measure of success. Last week, we talked about what it meant to live a good life, And I define it as a life lived for God and others. It's a life about God's purposes that benefit other people. And Jesus adds to that. He said, here's what the measure of success is. It's a good life, and it's a faithful life. It's a dependable life, a trustworthy life, a life of integrity. So to Jesus in God's kingdom, faithfulness is one of the measures by how God will judge uh, how successful our life is. So faithfulness isn't just something God wants us to do, but it's definitely something he wants us to be. It's something he wants to define our life. A successful life is a good and faithful life. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, that's the goal. That's the target that we ought to be aiming for. That's what we want to hear. Well done. Okay? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, listen along because I think you're going to get a picture of what it really means uh, to follow Jesus and, and obey him. So follower of Jesus, you want to hear good job. Well, how do we get that? What does that look like in our life? Right? What does faithfulness look like in my life and in your life? I think it's always helpful to have an example when we ask, what does this look like? And for faithfulness, I think the best example is God himself. No one is more faithful than God. All throughout scripture, we get a picture of a God who is faithful, who is trustworthy, who's, who's doing things. He says, see, I did this for you. I did this for you. You can trust me. You can rely on me. I'm dependable. I am faithful. So if God is our example, then how does that, um, what does that look like for us as people? Well, several things. I think faithful, dependable, trustworthy people—they're honest. They make and keep promises, and they're people of integrity. They're honest, just like God is honest. Psalm 30, thirty-three four says, "For the word of the Lord is right and true; He is faithful in all that He does, all He does." God, what God says is truth. It's honest. It's real. It's it's the authority, and, and everything He does. Or everything he promises to do, he does. He is faithful. And he calls his followers to imitate that. Colossians 3 9 says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with his practices. So, as a follower of Jesus, now you're not that anymore, right? Now, you, now you're honest. Now you tell the truth. And as a follower of Jesus, truth is the expectation. So, we don't lie, we don't manipulate, we don't deceive. They tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, okay? So, this is what we do we make the truth known. We're real everything we say and do is a is a reflection of what's true what's really going on faithful people aren't afraid to tell the truth they also make and keep promises all throughout scripture God is making promises and then he's backing them up and he's keeping them why because this is an act of love this is how he can prove to people that he loves them As followers of Jesus, we're called to live the same way. If we truly love people, we're going to make promises to them. We're going to make commitments to them, obligations with people, because we love them and we want to help them. So as followers of Jesus, we ought to make and keep promises because it's part of putting others first. Living for the benefit of others and serving people, we make promises, we make commitments. Making a promise is an act of love. It's telling someone, I will love you, and then keeping that promise is how you back back it up. God made promises to us and kept them because he does love us and we know he loves us because he keeps his promises to us and as his followers we should imitate that. Now, we make it a, a little confusing, and, and Jesus addresses this. Uh, in a Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to people who are making promises, and he says, here's the deal. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And what was going on at that time is people would make promises, and they would swear by God. They would be like, I swear by God, I will do this for you. And that meant, okay, I'm really going to do it. And then other times, they would swear by something else, like a donkey or their house or their foot. Okay, I don't know, but that's what they did. And what that meant is, I'm going to do this for you, but the standard is lower that I actually follow through on it. Jesus says, quit playing games. If you say you're going to do it, do it. Otherwise, just say no, right? This is the standard. There are no degrees of commitment when it comes to following Jesus. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it, okay? Finally, they are people of integrity, meaning faithful people are consistent in who they are. They're not someone else over here and someone else over here and then real at home. They are them all the time. They are genuine, and they are authentic people. And I think Jesus shows us what this looks like, especially during his crucifixion and the trial. When he was put on trial, he was questioned by both the Jews and the Romans, and he could have easily answered their questions um, uh, according to what they wanted to hear. And he could have told them exactly what they wanted to hear and got out of the whole thing, right? And, and then he wouldn't have he, he had to do it. But the thing is, that's not integrity, that's not being you. What he does is when he's questioned, when they, when they mock him, when they beat him, when they do all these things and they're asking these questions, he tells them the truth. He stands by who he's always said he was. He, he gives the answers he always gave. I am God, I am from heaven, right? And, and in the end, it costs him his life. But that's integrity. It's integrity. It's being you. Integrity comes from the word integer, and an integer is a whole number. It's complete. It's never divided. It's never a fraction. And we could think of ourselves like that. We're people who are complete. We're always ourselves. We're never divided. We're never one thing here and something else over here. We're people of of integrity. Jesus was, and his followers should be as well. So that's what faithfulness looks like. That's the expectation by God for us. But let's be honest. That's not where we're at. Like we don't start there. We don't start as being honest. We don't start making and keeping promises. We're not people of integrity. We're born selfish and and we're we're not always reliable and we're not always dependable. And sometimes we're ashamed of who we are. And so because of the selfishness and the shame in our life, it kind of over time builds up and we become people who are unfaithful, unfaithful. So instead of being honest, we can deceive. We deceive people and this is more than just lying. You know, lying is deception, but it's more than that. We get really crafty in how we do it. So we can straight-up lie, you know, be like, oh, that chicken was awesome. It was horrible, right? Like, that's, that's, that's what we do. You look great. What is that? What's, what is that, right? Great job. That was horrible. I should have done it, right? I'd never do that. I already did it. We well, straight-up lie. We straight-up lie, but we also lie in crafty ways. We tell maybe part of the truth, and we hold back the lie, right? We don't tell the whole story. I'm going to be late. I got to stop at the store. I am going to be late. I do have to stop at the store, but I left 15 minutes early, right? We don't say that part. I'm going out to lunch with my buddy. Yeah, you're going out to lunch with your buddy and a whole bunch of people your spouse doesn't want you going out with, okay? We can deceive by using truthful statements. I don't know if you've heard of this. This is called paltering, and we all do it. Uh, This is where we use the truth, actual truthful statements, and manipulate what people believe, right? How's business? Great. Sales are up the last four quarters. That's true. Right? But the part you didn't tell is that you just got projections, and the next year looks really, really bad. Right? Were his parents there? Yep, they were there till about 6 p.m. and then they left. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we can deceive through vague or or general language too. Just how we say things. Oh, I'm just relaxing. I'm watching a season of The Office. <laughs> right? Sales are less than last year. General. Sales are down 50% from last year. More true. We can deceive through exaggerations. We can, we can get people hyped up to believe something that's not really true and an exaggeration. Like, this is going to be the best weekend ever. You have to be here. Because this is going to be the one sermon that changes your life. And you will never forget it. And then the reality is you get here and you're like, who is Andy? Right? Like, what is this? And we're deceived and it hurts. We deceive um, because we don't want people to know the truth. That's, that's the basis of it. And we don't want people to know the truth because at some point it's going to hurt us or it's going to hinder us or it's going to limit us or it's going to expose us or they're going to see a side of us we don't want them to see. It's going to make us look bad or we won't measure up to their expectations if they know the truth. So we lie and we deceive to protect ourselves. Right? We're ashamed or we're selfish. We're ashamed. We need to hide. We need to hide. Right? The thought of someone finding out the truth about me I can't let that happen because if they know the truth, my friends are gonna ditch me, my parents are gonna be uh, disappointed in me, my spouse will be hurt, right, my kids won't be proud. All these things bottled up inside us, the shame causes us to lie to people and not tell them really what's going on. And it's selfish, we're thinking about ourselves more than we're thinking about the other person. We're looking out for ourselves, what's best for us, and we deceive, we're not trustworthy, we're not reliable, right we're not faithful to others because we're putting our own interests before theirs also instead of making and keeping promises we end up just kind of being non-committal in all that we do or we break our promises so instead of making a promise uh, and locking ourselves into a commitment with someone which is what a promise is i will do this for you instead of doing that we kind of hold back we stay in our comfort zone we never pull the trigger we never go all in we don't commit ourselves to the people around us and, and I think this is, this is why, because in our culture, we really love freedom, don't we? We love the idea that i get got to do whatever I want with my life, and I should be able to do whatever I want with my life, and we love options, and we don't want to lock ourselves into something, because it's going to rob us of freedom, right? And, and so, we can't make a promise, because if I do that, it's going to threaten my freedom. I can't lock myself in over here, because then I might lose some freedom, and we, and we bail, why do we do this? Freedom isn't the problem. Freedom's not the problem. It's great. What's the problem is, is we're selfish. We're selfish. We can't, we put our needs before other people, our desires over other people's, our, our options and our freedom over other people's. And again, it's all about self-interest. It's about protecting ourselves, not losing out, not risking, not sacrificing. And this is why we fail to keep our promises, too. Sometimes things happen that we can't control, and we can't keep our promises. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the times when at a certain point, it's too hard, it's gonna cost me too much, it's not gonna work out, it's not worth it anymore, right? It's a threat, it's too risky, and we bail, and we run, and we hide. And we put ourselves over others, and we look out for ourselves, and we end up becoming people who can't be trusted, can't be relied upon, can't be depended upon. Last, instead of living lives of integrity, we pretend to be someone we're not. We don't always present who we are, do we? Right? Instead of being true to who you are, regardless of the situation, we look at every situation and we present ourselves differently. Right? At home, we're different than who we are at work, at school, at church, at a social function, whatever it is. We're a different person everywhere. Right? We're, and what the problem with that is that's, that's definitely not integrity. Um, our culture, though, makes it really easy to do this because we value uh, privacy, very highly. We love privacy, which means we can hide all the different parts of our life that we don't want people to see. But then there's a public side to our life, right? There's, there's the social side to our life. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all those sides. We get to control what goes out there. So we end up in this position where we can hide the ugly, and we get to showcase the good, and we become whoever we want people to see, Right? And I know I do this. I do this, right? Like, you're never going to see, uh, like, a detailed explanation of an argument I got into with my wife on Facebook, right? Like, what is Andy doing? He's yelling, right? That's not going to be on Facebook, okay? Or like a video of me yelling at my kids on Instagram, hashtag bad dad. Like, it's not going on. I'm going to hide that. This is what we do. We don't want people to see that side of us. And, and it allows us to create a perception of this is who I am in every different situation. And that's not integrity because that's not who you are. And the reason we do this, again, selfish, selfishness. We put our needs over other people's, or we're really ashamed, we're ashamed of who we are. We don't want people to find out, even if it's not bad, we just don't want people to know who we really are, who we can really be, the dork that I really am, right? Because if they know, they'll reject me. If they know, they'll hate me. If they know, I'll be an outcast. She won't like me, he won't like me. We protect ourselves. So really, we're a mess. Um, what we have to come to terms with is that when we don't start out faithful, we're not naturally faithful. It's not a natural thing. It has to be something we're transformed into. That's the bad news. We're, fi- we're unfaithful uh, for two reasons, right? Because we're selfish and we're thinking about ourselves first, or we're ashamed and we're trying to hide who we really are because we can't let people find out, right? And, and The problem with being unfaithful is we miss out on so much. We miss out on helping people. We miss out on being part of God's kingdom and and being used, our gifts, our abilities, all this. We're we're not dependable, so we can't be used. But most importantly, what we miss out on is that moment where God will look at you and say, well done, good job. I don't want to miss out on that. I don't want to miss out on that. I don't want you to miss out on that. That's the bad news that being unfaithful causes us to miss out on all these amazing things in life. But here's the good news. Because of Jesus, that can all change. We can move past all the reasons we deceive, and through his spirit, we can become faithful people. Because of Jesus, we are free to be faithful, and it is possible to become faithful. And with the help of his spirit, we can become faithful. So our selfishness affects all areas of our life all areas of our life, especially our relationships, especially our relationships. But the one relationship that selfishness affects the most is your relationship with God. Selfishness is a form of rebellion. It's a form of sin. And that sin causes separation between you and God. But because of Jesus and what he did, his death on the cross, right, all that sin that separates us from God, it's dealt with. On the cross. It's done. It's forgiven. And that means by turning to Jesus and trusting in Him, all that sin that separates you and God is gone, and there is no more separation. There's a reconciliation, there's a relationship. You and your Creator are now good. You're on good terms. And we talk about this relationship all the time, but it's so incredible because what God did, I mean, He did it. He took away the biggest problem you have, your sin, and He gave you exactly what you need, what you were made for Him. It's incredible, and it's all because Jesus was faithful, and he went to the cross, and he died for us. But then he rose from the dead, and he declared, sin is not in charge. You're not in charge. I'm in charge. I have the authority in this world, right? And so he proved it. He's in charge. So when we think of all the reasons that we deceive, our selfish interests, our fears, our shame, all of that is dealt with by Jesus, all of it is dealt with. The fact uh, is that the more we trust in Jesus, our desires will be met. Right? Our selfish desires, they, they control us. But Jesus says, if you turn to me and you trust in me, I will meet your desires. You no longer have to go out and try to meet them yourself. Right? The fear of being found out. Truth, you're already found out. The creator of the universe knows every moment of your life, all the bad all the good, everything. You're already found out. So when we're freaking out about being found out and people knowing who we really are, what you need to remember is that the one person's opinion that actually matters, he's already found you out, and he says, I love you. There's nothing you can do to get me to stop loving you. I sent my son for you. Get over yourself and just accept it right? He loves you so much, so much, that when you're worried about, oh, I don't, I don't want people to know who I really am, God says, I know who you really are, and you're worth it, and I gave you my son, and I love you, and there's nothing you can do to change that. Nothing. And this, this, this fear of losing control and being locked in the commitments, this freedom thing we have going on where we just want to be in control, Jesus is in control, and he loves you. He's in control, and he loves you, so you can let go You can let go. Jesus is in charge. Selfishness is not freedom. Chasing your own desires, looking out for your own interests, that's not freedom. That's a form of slavery. Real freedom is letting go of that, accepting the fact God is in control of my life, and he loves me. He knows what's best. True freedom comes when you can let go of your own interests and you can just go out and love people. That is true freedom. Freedom comes when you ignore your own desires and you just let go and you trust God that's freedom. So by turning to Jesus, we can move past all these fears. We can move past our selfishness. We can move past our shame of who we are. He loves us. He's in control. He's in charge. He's faithful to us. And he's given us his spirit to work in us. To work in us. When it comes to faithfulness and dependability and and trustworthiness and all this stuff, how this spirit is going to work in us is mainly going to happen through relationships. Relationships. That's where we're going to grow in our faithfulness. So in order to grow in faithfulness, we need to turn to Jesus, trust what he did for us, embrace it, and then rely on his spirit in all of our relationships, in all of our relationships. So here's kind of what that looks like. First, we need to be intentionally putting ourselves in situations, in relationships, where we can tell the truth, we can make and keep promises, we can be real, we can be genuine. right? So in our relationships, we need to just start being okay, with what, what Jesus says we are. We just we gotta embrace Jesus and then just trust his spirit. And in our relationships, start being honest, start being genuine, and start making promises for people and putting them ahead of us in our relationships. So here's some questions um, that I'm gonna ask. These are questions I need to ask myself, really, and I'm just gonna you know, let you listen. Um, these are questions we need to ask ourselves to kind of figure out what's my next step? Where are the relationships where this faithfulness needs to start happening? How do I need a change? Where do I need to trust God and maybe let some people know who I am? Who do you need to be honest with? Which relationships are you holding back information? Are you afraid of someone learning the truth about you? In what relationships are you protecting yourself? Are you hiding the truth so you don't have to deal with the fallout? at work, at home, at school, in friendships. Who are you deceiving? You need to trust that no matter what you've done, there might be consequences in this world, but with you and God, you're good. And he is the one relationship that you cannot live without. He's it. You are good. And you need to trust him that that's enough. And you need to ask the Spirit for help in living honest, faithful lives in your relationships. What promises have you made? Are you keeping them? Are you avoiding them? Why? What opportunities exist for you to commit to something, to someone? Are you holding back? Why? Are you non committal? Are you apathetic? Are you uninvolved when you're at home, at work, at school, at church? Why? Who would benefit if you started making and keeping promises? What is stopping you? You know, we need to let go of the control that we're trying to maintain in our lives the freedom that we're trying to hoard, and start letting go and start just trusting God because he loves us. And we need to start putting people first. We need to believe that Jesus is enough, that he's in control, that he knows what's best, and that loving people is a true form of freedom. And then finally, are you genuinely yourself? Or are you trying to hide something? Who are you trying to impress? Whose opinion matters more than God's? Why are people's opinions so important? Why are you scared to allow people to know who you really are? Do you allow yourself to be known or do you run from community? Do you avoid a small group because you don't want people to know who you are? You don't want to share what's going on. In what relationships do you need to start being you rather than some fake version? Who needs to see the real you? You need to trust God loves you, that he created you, that he made you as you are, that he molded you, that he shaped you, that who you are, is who you are, is who you were created to be. And because of Jesus, God looks at you and he's not disappointed, even if people are. See, faithfulness is only possible when we start trusting Jesus and we start relying on his spirit for help. Because it's hard. It's hard to be honest. It's hard to let people in. But because of Jesus, we can, and through his spirit, we will. We're selfish by nature. We're ashamed of who we are, but Jesus deals with both of those things. And through Christ, we can be reconciled to God in that relationship, forgiven of our sins, be reminded of who we are, right? And if you haven't yet, if you haven't turned to Jesus, if you don't trust him, I urge you, stop trusting yourself and start trusting him. Start trusting him and with the help of his spirit, you too someday could hear those words. Well done. Well done. Well done. In a moment, we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done for us by remembering how he made it possible for us to live this new life. To even, to even, to even make it possible for us to hear those words from God. And, and after this next song Uh, which is about God's faithfulness to us, we're going to respond through communion, through taking communion. Uh, In communion, as the trays are going around, we invite all the followers of Jesus uh, to take the piece of bread that represents Jesus' body, to take the juice that represents his blood that was poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins and take it in, remembering the promises that God has made us, that he is for us, that he loves us, that he's not done with us, and that he gave us his spirit to work on us and make us new people. So let me pray and then after this we'll worship together and then we'll take communion together. Father, we love you so much. Uh, We just thank you for your grace, your kindness to us. Just everything you've done for us, the promises you've made and the promises you've kept. uh, Help us just trust you, rely on you, know that you are for us, know that you love us. Um, No matter how unfaithful we can be, Jesus was faithful. And he did it for us and he loves us so much. Help that just be the truth we, we lean on and then help the Spirit just change us. Give us courage to leave here and maybe start telling the truth, being who we are, making promises and fulfilling them. We need your help because faithfulness is hard, uh, but we know you're in us and we know you will help us. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.